Okay, on to components of integrated fitness. So the definition of integrated fitness is a comprehensive approach combining multiple types of exercise. This helps participants achieve higher levels of function, flexibility, core balance, plyometrics, SAQ, cardiorespiratory, and resistance training. Flexibility techniques include self-myofascial release, which is applying a pressure to get the knots out uh, to achieve a relaxation response, static stretching, active stretching and dynamic stretching. Um, So obviously static is to take the muscle passively to a point of tension hold for 30 seconds. Active stretching would be um, moving through a full range of motion, allowing your antagonist to stretch. And dynamic stretching would be multi-planner extensibility, optimal neuromuscular control, using full range of motion, basically as you're doing activity, you're stretching. Um, core activation techniques, so things to help you um, in terms of your core. You, you would uh, you could do two things. You can do a drawing in maneuver, which is draw your belly button towards your spine without spinal flexion. So just basically suck it in, <laughs> I guess. Um, and then bracing is co-contraction of the superficial core muscles. It helps improve your um, LPHC stiffness, so your lumbar, lumbopelvic hip complex. That's what LPHS C is. I like to call this one tighten the belt. So it's not so much that you're pulling your belly button in, but you're trying to, um, you got a belt on and you're pulling it tight. Um, Balance training concepts include proprioceptively enriched environments. So unstable yet controllable, aka standing on a balance board. Um, And dynamic balance is, which would be maintaining equilibrium through an intended path of motion when external forces are present. So um, I guess I would use, uh, say, aqua. Aqua might be a good one, Um, good best example. So you're trying to keep uh, equilibrium. Um, There's external forces. So let's say you're training outdoors and there's wind or whatever, right? That could be another um, example of dynamic balance. And that's it. The next um, training concept would be plyometrics. So plyometric training, there's plyometric training, which is quick, powerful movements, um, eccentric contraction, followed by explosive concentric contraction, and rate of force production, which is muscles exert maximal force in minimal amount of time. SAQ training concepts. So I've defined what SAQ is before, but it is speed, agility, and quickness. Speed is straight ahead velocity, just speed fast um it's fast slow agility is maintaining your center of gravity over changing basis support while changing direction so to be agile to be able to deke and move side to side and that sort of thing and quickness is reactive stimuli with appropriate muscular response without hesitation so uh, reaction time uh cardiovascular cardiorespiratory training concepts um they talk about different zones and interval training so they talk about basically the fat burning zone. This is how I remember it. The fat burning zone um, and to be in your target heart rate zone and then to be higher. So your fat burning zone, obviously your goal is to, to burn fat. Your target heart rate, oh, excuse me, let's jump up to the top range or top zone where your heart's working really hard to work. And that works your heart and your lungs and your cardiorespiratory system. And then the middle one or zone two would be your target heart rate, which would give you the benefits of both. That's where you want to be. Um, interval training, they define it as alternating between intense exertion and rest or lighter exertion. And when I was talking about those zones, the heart rate 
numbers that they give for zone one, which is fat burn, 65 to 75% of your heart rate max. Zone two, or your target heart rate zone, which is 76 to 85% of your heart rate max. And zone three, which is um, working heart and lungs, primarily is 86 to 90% of your heart rate max. Uh, some re resistance training concepts include stabilization, endurance, strength, hypertrophy, ugh, and power. So stabilization is uh, you want to do resistance training so that you can remain stable and balanced over a center of gravity in a changing environment. Let's say skateboarding or surfing. Those are examples. <clears throat> endurance, um, having your muscles fire over periods of long time. So being able to do a muscular activity uh, for a longer for a long time. So not a power lifter that just that needs to lift at um one lift and that's it. You want to be able to say for you, you need to be able to have strength for a certain amount of time. Uh strength is the next one. Basically example is a power lifter. Um and then hypertrophy is like basically your muscles getting bigger or growing. And then power is the ability to produce a large amount of force in a short amount of time. So I like to think I like to think a lot of um, sport in uh, Olympics and that sort of thing and be able to like to have power, almost like a superhero. <laughs> um, and some acute variables they talk about, they talk about periodization, training intensity and training volume. Um, so periodization, I've done articles and blogs on this. Um, it's the division of training program into smaller progressive stages, training intensity, so to be intense, it's the effort compared to, um, like, to be intense. So whether something is, like, manageable or it's, like, intense. And then training volume is the total amount of work you do. Um, they talk about the rest period and percent recovery. So um, the amount of rest at 2 to 30 seconds, you're getting 50% recovery. So if you go really, really hard and you stop for 20 seconds to 30 seconds, you will probably gain back 50% of your um, ability to get back in and go. Uh, if you stop for 40 seconds, you get 75% recovery. If you stop for a minute, you get 85 to 90%. And if you stop or rest in between sets of something from three to five minutes, 100% recovery, you should be able to like, get right back in and do another set if you wait three to five minutes, no problem. Uh, endurance training and strength-based classes. The They talk in this, they have a chart and they talk about number of reps, Number of sets, the tempo, the percent of intensity, and the rest interval. So in a strength-based class, let's say like a body pump class or like a weight training class, any kind of weight training class, um, they divided it up into flexibility, core, and cardio, and resistance. Um, so most obviously the reps in a strength-based class are higher when you're doing everything but the um, flexibility part of it. So for example, in an endurance, in a strength-based class, your endurance training for cardio, you're doing maybe 12 to 20 reps. You're doing one to three sets. You're going nice and slow. It's not too intense. And you're taking a minute and a half rest. Whereas when it comes to the, um, resistance part of that class you're doing 12 to 20 reps um you're doing one to three sets you're still going slow but the intensity is a lot more it's 50 to 70 percent um 
and you're still doing that rest. So you're pushing because it's a strength-based class. If you want to build your de- muscular development, so if you want uh, to gain muscle or you want that sort of thing, um, you're doing six to 12 reps and three to five sets. Your tempo is medium and your intensity is 75 to 85% with a one minute rest. So if you're trying to do endurance and you're trying to have more strength for a longer period of time, okay, you've got 50 to 70% of intensity. But if you want um, to get like big muscles, you need to basically lift heavier or harder. That's what that's saying. 75 to 85% versus 50 to 70%. Um, we'll talk a bit about exercise technique next. Uh, common group fitness exercise examples by format. They've got a nice little chart here. So they've got strength and resistance classes, hit and interval, boot camp, yoga, and cycle. And then beside the format, they've got the movement prep, like what they think you should do for prep, and then what you should put in the body of the workout. So this is a good little chart. Um, so for example, if you have a strength and resistance class, um, some of the movements you're going to want to do to prepare yourself for like the bigger set of intensity um, would be kneeling hip flexor stretch, a lat stretch, doing floor planks, floor bridges, single leg squats. And then in the body of the workout of the strength and resistance class, you would want to do squat to overhead press, push-ups, bent over rows, bicep curls, lunge variations, right? Um, if it's a hit class, your prep is going to be stretching calves and adductors because you're going to be, you know, jogging a lot or uh, deking from side to side and doing agility training, right? So you want to get those stretched out and warmed up, doing some crunches, doing push-ups, walking lunges. So movement, because you're going to be moving a lot in hit and interval, squat, jump to stabilization, etc. Because in the, because in a hit or an end of a class, you're jogging, you're doing burpees, you're shuffling, you're doing repetitive squat jumps. So that makes complete sense. Um, for a boot camp class, they basically say the body of the workout is the same as the hits and interval. It's just, it's a little more aggressive because <laughs> it's boot camp. So maybe you have partners and it's got a little more of a team oriented approach, but it's literally the same prep. Okay. And then yoga obviously is going to be completely different. So to prep, you might do cat cow, child's pose, spinal balances, chair pose, and then because in the class, you're going to be doing sun salutations and warriors, uh, mountain poses, plank flow. So you want to prep that. If you're doing a spin class, um, you just want to, obviously, it's just you sitting and moving your legs. So you want to avoid undue fatigue on your legs or pre- prematurely spiking your heart rate, like in the move, in the prep, like in the warm up, like don't be crazy. Um, because in the class, you're going to be doing um you know, seated or standing flat, seated or standing climbs, sprints, attacks, jumps, that sort of thing. So to be honest with you, it doesn't say it here, but in movement prep, when I teach a spin class, um, there's movement at the hip, flexor, uh, we lean forward, we go through all the hand positions on the handles and then sit up, do shoulder rolls, um, arm, upper body stretching, rotation of the spine, and kind of because you're going to be in a hinged position, like 99% of it, right? So um, they did put that in there, but that's just my little two cents worth. And, um, they also talk about, let me see if I want to end here. Nope. Okay. They talk about the proprioceptive progression continuum. That's a big fancy word, um, for 
changing your base of support in order to progress your exercise to make it easier or excuse me, make it harder or vice versa, regress, regress it to make it easier. So um, basically how you challenge somebody, um, their proprioception or their balance. Um, so you can challenge like there's just the basic or you can take it more advanced. So let's say your base of support, you can make it smaller. Like you could stand on the floor, which is clearly sturdy and a great base of support, or you could stand on a balance beam in gymnastics, or you can stand or kneel or sit on a half foam roll or a balance ball or a wobble board or a BOSU. And that's obviously going to make your base of support like more um, challenged, right? And then progress it. Um, Your lower body, if you stand with two legs, that's the most stable. Makes sense. You can stagger your stance, so get into a lunge position. Pretty stable still with your legs wide. Maybe you bring your legs a little bit closer. That makes it a little more challenging. Maybe you go to stand on one leg. Um, Maybe you're standing two legs, but it's unstable. So you're like on a wobble board with two legs. Um, Same thing, staggered stance, unstable. So maybe you're in a lunge position, but your back foot is on a BOSU or a wobble board. Um, Single leg unstable. So there's lots of ways you can make it harder, proprioception in terms of balance. Um, when it comes to arms, if you're like in a push-up position or a plank, being in two, t- being on two arms, sure, makes complete sense. If you alternate your arms, so like you're lifting one arm, lifting the other, um, you're doing something where it's all single arm. Um, if you're doing something with single arm and trunk rotation, they say here, so that's pretty standard one I do in Pilates where we scoop through and then open up into a side T plank, if you want to call it that. So that's another thing they talk about in terms of challenging people in, t- um, in terms of the proprioceptive progression continuum. And then lastly, let's talk about the group fitness modalities. Um, so different uh, things that you can do in a class or use in a class. Um, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 modalities. So SMR, which is foam rolling, rolling sticks, massage balls, uh, body weight training. You can do suspension training, aka TRX. Weighted equipment. So your dumbbells, your barbells, kettlebells, medicine balls, weighted bars, um, elastic resistance, tubes, bands, etc. Balance. So using balance balls, balance plates, sliding discs, things that throw off your balance. Uh, Reactive SAQ and power. Um, pieces of equipment, so battle ropes, uh, boxes, like to do um, jumps on to uh, ladders, cones, dots, so you can, you know, um, simulate sports type movements. Aquatics, so using belts, noodles, webbed gloves, paddles, water dumbbells, uh, mind-body classes, so obviously using mats, blocks, straps, and skill mastery, so things like uh, spin, cycling, which most people think, oh, there's not a lot of, like, you know, skill to that, there absolutely is. (laughs) There absolutely is. Um, Doing step, step aerobics, using step benches, definitely needs, it's a skill. Um, Mini trampolines, ballet bars, boxing gloves, kick punch bags, so using those things to master a skill. And then lastly, they talk about monitoring exercise intensity. So they talk about, um, and I've mentioned this a couple times, uh, your rating of perceived exertion or RPE that expresses how hard participants feel they're working out based on physical sensations. Um, there's two versions of it. So the Borg scale 
uh, you either rate six, which is no exertion, like it doesn't bother you, to 20, which is maximal exertion, or you use the zero to 10 RPE scale. So rated zero is nothing, you don't feel too much, and 10 is like you feel like the most intense. So you can do that, use RPE, or you can do talk tests. So that's a self-evaluation intensity. Can you talk while you're exercising? Um, radio pulse, you can find your pulse, so two fingers, um, below your wrist on your thumb side here and catch 10 seconds. Um, you can go through the neck, um, but most times people have it in their wrist. That's why you have the heart mate monitors and that sort of thing at the heart. So it doesn't have that written here, but obviously you can monitor through your um, like heart rate monitor, either on your wrist or your heart um, or on bikes. They'll have mon so that you could take pulse. I I teach at Movadi right now and the bikes don't have that, but back when I taught at the YMCA, they had um, metal on the handles and it was to take your pulse. So, um, but that's through the fingers anyway. And then the last one they've got here, a way to monitor your exercise intensity is um, dyspnea, which is troubled breathing rated on a scale of one to plus one through plus four. That sounds awful. I feel like if you have troubled breathing, like I, mm, <laughs> I don't even, I'm not going to do that test with you. I'm going to do all those other ones with you before I see you having troubled breathing. Oh goodness. <laughs> but anyway, so that takes care of that chapter or that section of the study guide.